0: got great kids in our church, and I love to hear the the stories of Christmas to them, and I trust that somewhere in your family tradition, before all of the gifts are opened, that you have an opportunity to review and reflect and perhaps read the story of the birth of Jesus, so that that can be something that can be passed on in the tradition of your family as well. For the past several weeks here in December, for those of you that attend here, I have been focusing kind of a thought on a song that we associate with Christmas as we've gone along and tonight I would like to spend just a few minutes of a devotional thought with a song that we're going to be listening to in a few minutes called All Is Well, All Is Well. At the close of our service traditionally at Grace Assembly we sing by candlelight a song that is known to us well as Silent Night, and tonight we're going to realize that the birth of the baby Jesus may have been a time when nature was silent, and the carol that we love to sing that has become so personal to us and that we sing it with our own memories that begin to flood our mind uh, brings us to a place of peace, but I want you to know that tonight in the cosmic realm, in in the spiritual realm, the birth of Jesus, the night of his birth really started a whole series of battles that in the areas that we could not see. It may have been silent to us, but it certainly, if it could be seen through the eyes of those who knew, knew creation, it would be silent night and holy war. I'm sure that as long as you've been listening to Christmas messages, you probably have never heard a message taken from Revelation chapter 12, but that is where I would like to start tonight and begin to give a description of what really happened in Jerusalem and what really happened when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. What happened to him as seen by our naked eye, but also what happened to him as seen in the cosmic realm by those who knew what was going on behind the scenes and the battles that ensued. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, it says, A great sign, a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, cried out in pain, and she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. That is what was happening the night before Christmas. The dragon wanted to kill the Christ child And in order to fully understand this, you have to understand a little bit about what God had said about this serpent previously. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. There was a battle that took place, and we have seen it all throughout Scripture, and tonight I want to encapsulate that for you just a little bit. First of all, there was a battle for Israel or the people of God. The whole history of the Old Testament is the story of the dragon, the serpent, trying to kill the seed of the woman and the hope of mankind. From the moment that God created Adam and Eve, Satan has been on a crusade to destroy that which God has made. He did not want God to have a people with which he could fellowship. And it starts with Cain and Abel. Satan begins to think that Abel is the hope of the future, and so he begins to inspire Cain to kill his brother. And when he does, Satan begins to think that he has won because he has destroyed the plans of God, and he thinks all hope is now gone. But lo and behold, Adam and Eve go on, and they have another child by the name of Seth who carries on that seed of hope, the plan of God. So Satan begins to work in the hearts of men, And he causes the whole world to fall into a state of rebellion and lawlessness and horrendous sexual sin. And he thinks now that the whole world is so corrupt, there can be no righteous seed that would begin to move on. And he believes that he has won. But lo and behold, we get to Genesis chapter 6, and the Bible tells us that Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time, and that he walked with God. And before God judged the whole earth with a flood, Noah was placed into an ark that he had built in obedience, and he and his family carried with them the hope of God as they moved forward. And through Noah's son Shem, God carried on the seed of hope for mankind. Satan, feeling at this point that I must continue the attack, decided that he would paganize the whole world. And then he began to think, what can God do now? And then God called Abraham, a righteous man, and made a covenant with him that through him and his offspring they would outnumber the sands of the world. And through the covenant that he made with Abraham, God began to make plans for a people And thus, the hope continued on in spite of the attack. And as the Old Testament moves into the New Testament, there's the voice of the major prophets and the voice of the minor prophets, and they're declaring to us, all is well, all is well. The plan continues. Satan fights, but the plan continues. And since Satan was unable to stop God from choosing a people he now turns his attention to trying to remove the birth of a redeemer. And so Satan overhears. He's a keen student of prophecy. And he overhears the words of the angel Gabriel to Mary when the angel spoke to her and he said, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. You shall bear a child and you shall call his name Jesus. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will never end. And Satan hearing this begins to realize that this child that is to be born is indeed the promised hope of mankind. And so the scene that is described in Revelation chapter 12, we read that and we recognize it as such a grotesque scene, and it's intended to be because this woman that is spoken of is Israel, and she is in a position of vulnerability just about to give birth to a child, and suddenly on the scene arrives this dragon with hopes of once again foiling the plans of God, this time with the desire that if he can just devour this child, he can remove hope from the people of the world. But in Revelation chapter 12, verse 5, The scripture says, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And at the birth of Jesus, the angels who witnessed this cosmic battle that was going on, the sky opens up and the first choir begins to sing. And they look out and they declare to those who can hear, which just so happened to be shepherds standing in their fields. And the song they sang indicated all is well. All is well. The plan continues. Today the Savior has been born. Satan is relentless, however, He began to recognize that if he could not stop the Redeemer from being born, that he would attack the life and the ministry of Jesus. And the New Testament details all the way that the devil tried to destroy the life of Jesus. We look at Christmas from the cosmic realm and we find out what was happening when Satan began to lay upon Herod's heart that he needed to trick the Magi into finding out the birthplace of Jesus, so that he could do Satan's bidding and remove this child from the earth. But once again, his plan to remove Jesus failed. Herod, in his anger at being deceived, decided that he would take things into his own hands and try to wipe out a region of every baby under the age of two so that he could somehow remove this threat to his kingship. But God, in a dream, warns Joseph, and they leave and once again, the enemy in his plan to try to destroy the hope of the world is foiled again. So after Satan tried to destroy him as an infant and recognizing that that didn't work, he said, fine, then I'll distract him. And so you have the temptation in the wilderness. And Satan, recognizing that Jesus hasn't eaten in days, going on weeks, says to him, I know that you're hungry, so why don't you just turn these stones into bread recognizing that he was tempting Jesus to do something before the Father was ready for him to do it. He then said, why don't you come and look over the nations of the world and if you will just bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you and you will never have to go to the cross. I'll just give it to you. Jesus responds, as it is written and begin to speak the word of God, to the enemy of our soul, and Satan had to flee. So after trying to destroy him and trying to distract him, he then tries to discredit him. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the influencers of their day spoke of Jesus, and they told him that you are Beelzebub. You're the father of demons. You are demon-possessed, and trying to discredit him to all that would listen to him, but that didn't work either. And so when Jesus went back to his hometown in Nazareth, he thought, well, maybe I'll just derail his ministry a little bit early. And as he was walking along a cliff, it said that there were some that tried to push him off the cliff, but he walked right through them because his time was not yet come. Finally, Satan said, fine. Then I will try to defeat you in one-on-one battle. You and me, Jesus. One-on-one combat. And so he inspires Judas to betray Jesus. Judas kisses him with a betraying kiss, and he's arrested, and he's taken before Pilate. Satan and his cronies begin to laugh and smile and sneer as Jesus is beaten and whipped. As he's in agony, they begin to think, hope finally has arrived for us. And they begin to rejoice as he has to carry his own cross to Golgotha where he is nailed to the cross and finally they begin to rejoice when Jesus in his own words says, it is finished and he bows his head to die. And suddenly Satan, for the first time since he was created as an angel of light, begins to rejoice thinking for a moment he has finally become the supreme of the universe. Revelation 12 verses seven through nine says, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back but he was not strong enough and he lost his place in heaven and the great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. In the middle of the party, they seem to forget that what is an empty or what is a tomb to almighty God. What is a sealed tomb to the Son of God? What is a dead corpse to the Son of God? It is nothing because life was spoken and Jesus raised from the dead. And the text tells us that he was caught up into heaven. And you have all of this history, all of this history in these verses right here when it says that he was caught up into heaven and he ascended to heaven and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father from which he shall judge the living and the dead." And from heaven, the voice of God declares, Satan, you were defeated again. You were defeated full time. You were defeated because Jesus triumphed over everything that the dragon tried to do. All is well, declares the God of the universe. And John the Revelator records for us in verse 10. says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now has come salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. At the resurrection, the message was declared, for you and for I, all is well. So Satan took on a new tact. If he couldn't stop hope from coming in the Old Testament, couldn't stop the people of the God from arriving, couldn't stop the Savior from being born and couldn't stop him, from being raised from the dead, then he would change his efforts and he would start to attack us. So he decided, I will destroy the hearts of those who will seek him. And since that day, the battle of the enemy has been for the hearts of mankind. You see, that's what Christmas is all about. Silent night, but holy war. Because centuries have passed, and, and we struggle with the devil on a daily basis. We struggle with trying to be victorious. We struggle, and sometimes he wins the battle, and we feel defeated. But the Christian church advances because sometimes we win the battle through the help of the Holy Spirit, and he is defeated. And we look at that battle through the perspective, and we see that if Satan can't have the throne of heaven, he'll be satisfied to steal the affections of your heart. And there's a revealing term that is used with regard to Satan and his current tactics when it tells us in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 at the end, he is the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses them before God night and day. In other words, if I can't make Jesus look bad, I will make you look bad to Jesus. I'll spend all of my time telling him what you're really like. I'll spend all my time telling him what I know about you. The devil means the accuser. Satan means the adversary. And all of those names and others apply to him. But when you get to Revelation 20, it says that he will be thrown into a lake of fire and his doom is sure. And he knows that his time is short. And he's working overtime. So with that understanding... Let me help you try to recognize the conflict that is within each of us in our own battles. You'll notice that he accuses us before God night and day. What an adversary we have. What a serpent. What a sly, evil Satan we have. But oh, how great is our Redeemer that has overcome him. Martin Luther once wrote of an experience that he had. He said one time the devil showed up to him and said, I want you to give me some paper, and he did, and he began to write, and he said, what are you writing? He says, I am writing down all of your sins. When he got to the end of the paper, he he said, are you done? He goes, no, I need more paper, and this went on for some time until there was a ream of paper that he had written, and Satan looked at him and began to show him, this is who you really are, and he threw it down in front of him, Martin Luther says that he took that paper, and at the very last page, he wrote, Of all of these sins, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all of them. The accuser will always tell you what you have done wrong. The redeemer will always tell you what he has done right for you. The way he attacks you is to make sin look good to you. He sugarcoats it, doesn't tell you the consequences. And then when you have fallen in a a battle and you have been defeated, he begins to laugh at you and sneer at you and tell you just how bad you are. He says, you think you're a Christian, huh? So you think God has forgiven you. You think God loves you and he makes you think that God really didn't mean it when it came to you. And then he says, and you knew better and you still did it. And so he tries to destroy us and discredit us and make us feel unworthy. He makes us feel as if we could not possibly work, be worthy of the love of God, and we are not, but he loves us anyway, and it becomes real to us, and he wants us to stay in that state of defeat and discouragement, but he is a liar. He constantly lies to us about the message of God, and if we trust God, we will discover that the change that he tries to place around your heart will be broken. And since God is continually working out his purposes in history and continually working out his purposes in our lives, we can say with confidence tonight, Jesus, you are Lord of my life's circumstances. But how does this truth help us right now? It gives us hope. You see, God's plan isn't going to end until he finishes it. Jesus came into this world at just the right time. He died and he rose again at just the right time. He declared, it is finished on the cross at just the right moment. And at just the right time, Jesus Christ is going to return again and his church will rise up from this earth to meet him in the air. And once again, we as a choir of voices together will look at the pit and yell, you have lost again, old dragon, you have been defeated. So let me give you a suggestion. Whenever Satan reminds you of your past, why don't you remind him of his future? When he tells you everything that you've done, you remind him of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And when he says you have no hope, you declare to him, all is well because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. On the back of your program tonight, there's the words of a song that was written by Michael W. Smith, and we are going to be playing that song tonight as he sings in duet with Carrie Underwood, and I would like you to look at these lyrics and see how they apply to your life tonight. All is well. painting that depicted Satan in a chess match with a young man and the painting had been made and the artist indicated that an agreement had been made that whoever lost this chess match would become the servant of the other. The devil had declared checkmate in three moves and the young man had already laid his king down but A man by the name of Paul Morphy, who was a chess expert, went and began to recognize, as he looked at this picture, and he looked at it one way, and then he looked at it the other, and as he began to see it, he he recognized that the game wasn't over. And he began to shout out, Sir, you have another move. You still have a move. You're not checkmated yet. You have another move, and tonight I speak to you who may be bound by sin, and I get to tell you tonight... You have another move. We're talking about Christ, the child of Christmas, who triumphed over sin and the devil and death and who triumphs today if you will just trust him. He will transfer your sins over to his sacrifice and his righteousness to your account. His forgiveness he will give you in grace. You have another
1: move.
0: I speak to those who are going through times of discouragement. Times of despair. You know Christ is the Savior and you're following diligently, but you feel as if you've been defeated. You feel as if you've been overwhelmed. Tonight I declare to you all is well. You have a move that you can make. As you see the ascended Christ, you think of the blood that He shed on the cross, you think of His triumph. You participate in his triumph through faith tonight. There is a move you can make because tonight Jesus is born and all is well. So I ask that you would close your eyes and bow your head if you would for a moment. I cannot think of a more appropriate evening for you to have an opportunity to come to know Jesus tonight if you find that you have been captured and you're ready to leave the life of being defeated and enter into the victory of Jesus Christ then what I'm going to ask you to do is simply lift up your head and when I see you lift up your head I'm going to simply agree with you I will not embarrass you and I'm going to pray for all of you that respond yes ma'am I agree with you Are there others yes ma'am I agree with you yes ma'am I agree with you yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am I agree with you. Are there others tonight? You feel God knocking on the door of your heart? Yes, sir, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Yes, I agree with you. Heavenly Father, as we approach this Christmas Eve, we recognize that we are the ones that get the celebration. We get to celebrate that Satan has been defeated. He did the best he could and he could not defeat you. And as a result of that, we shall not be defeated. There may be some battles that we lose from time to time, but because we are in you, we win the war. And so I ask tonight for all of those who lifted up their head and said, tonight is my night. I am going to enter into the victory of Jesus Christ and I want to hear the spirit of the lord speak into my heart that all is well and perhaps for the first time in my life have a christmas eve that i can have peace because the battle in the and in, in, the battle in the cosmos was won by the forces of heaven and Jesus Christ himself and we receive this in Jesus name amen I'm going to ask that you would stand with me, and I'm gonna ask that you would take your candles. Now I recognize these are a little bit different than the past. We've entered into high tech and low liability. And I'm gonna ask that you would reach underneath there and turn them on and lift them as you would, as tonight we conclude this in the traditional way of singing Silent Night.